If you've been here for our conversation around kindness, then you know much of our conversation has been about what goes on on the outside. We've talked about being kind through our actions, that how we live in our interactions with others is, first of all, an overflow of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're not going to naturally respond with the fruit of the Spirit in our flesh, but by the help of the Spirit of God, there's going to be love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and goodness, faithfulness and self-control. We focused on kindness and how when we're kind to others, we're representing Christ and we're representing to people what it truly means to be a Christ follower. And it doesn't take much to be different in our world. People are full of hatred People are divided. Uh, People are self-focused and self-centered. It doesn't take much for us to be different and to stand out in our world, and kindness is a big way to do that. We've talked about kindness through our words and how whether we're talking to someone or about someone, it's important that we use our tongue and our words in ways that honor God. Our words have power. Last week we focused on loving or having kindness towards our enemies. Uh, In VBX, we talked about being kind to the meanies. And uh, it's hard to do sometimes. It's easy to love people who love us. It's harder to love people when they make it hard to love them or when they seem to want to intentionally harm us. But God can help us to be in a place where kindness and action flow rather than reacting to the people or to what's going on around us. My prayer for all of us is that no matter what someone says to us, no matter what someone does to us, we can grow so much in Christ that we can act in love and show love and show kindness no matter what. God help us because that's needed in our world today. Now we've talked a lot about on the, the things on the outside and a lot of our battles, a lot of our struggles in life are kind of on the outside if you will. Circumstances, challenges, other people... But I have found some of the hardest battles that people face and deal with are the battles and the tensions that are fought on the inside. What's going on in the heart? What's going on in the mind? The effects of the different things we deal with in our lives. It's not just that people speak bad things to us. It's that at times those things have stuck and they live down deep in who we are and affect how we live. It's not just that we weren't kind or we reacted wrongly, but it's that we can can seem to struggle to forget moments of failure, moments where we haven't gotten things right. Much of this series has been about our kindness towards others. But today I want to conclude this series by encouraging you in something that may sound a little unique, but I think you'll understand it by the time we're done. Not only should you be kind to other people... But I want to encourage you today to be kind to yourself. I want to encourage you to be kind to yourself. Now, I'm not referring to some psychological poppycock that focuses only on you and being self-centered. I'm talking about the healing and the wholeness that's often needed in people's heart and mind and lives. Maybe after you've been through your own sinful past, lived through your own mistakes and regrets, or maybe you're living in the hurt that's been caused by other people. Now before we get into a couple of specifics, I want to give you a life principle that I think is important for us to know and live. Here it is. We must live by facts and not by our feelings. We must live by facts and not by our feelings. 
Feelings change. Depending on what's going on outside of you, depending on what's happening in the world, depending on circumstances, feelings can change. When you go outside today, because you live in Minnesota, there will be a breeze at some point. The wind blows in Minnesota. And at some point, that wind may change directions. Things happen in life when things change. The wind blows different directions. But we can't allow those feelings to dictate how we live because feelings and emotions lie. Feelings and emotions can be affected by what's going on on the outside. But we must live by facts and not by feelings. So the question becomes, where do we get these facts from? What do we deem to be the truth when multiple voices are calling for our attention? When the world is speaking, when the enemy's speaking, when, when maybe our own voice is speaking, how do we determine where we get those facts? And that's the second part of this life principle that you need to know in, know in daily living. We must live by what the Bible says about our lives. We must not live by feelings, but by facts. We must live by what the Bible has to say about our lives. When feelings change and when emotions change and when even the people around us change, God's Word remains the same. Now, if you've been around me long, you know that I've talked a little bit about having a praying mom and a, a mom and a dad involved in local church my grandmother on my mom's side was also a minister herself, and, and I can remember often her preaching, and she would say repeatedly, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. In fact, I have some notebooks of her uh, sermon manuscripts, and she would just write out scripture passage after scripture passage after scripture passage. And, and you could often go back and read, and you can see what she was saying, but her messages were so word-centered. And she would repeatedly say, the Bible says, in her declarations. My mom was the type that would go into the bedroom, and she would kneel at her bedside and pray for people, pray for life, pray for her family, pray for different situations that she knew about. And repeatedly in those prayer moments, she would say, Lord, your word says. And as she was praying, she would, she would pray based on the promises of God's word. She would declare in her prayers, Lord, I'm believing this to happen. I'm believing these people to come through the situation. I'm believing you to keep my family because your word says. And I thought as a kid, as we often do, that, that things maybe didn't matter so much, that, that maybe those were just phrases that were part of messages and part of prayers. But the older I've gotten, the more I've learned the importance of what the Bible has to say about our lives. And when we pray, standing on the facts, standing on the promises of God, and knowing I can trust God to be faithful because His Word declares He is faithful, that's who He is. There's no voice that's more important in our lives than the voice of God. So when voices in our world are trying to redesign and redefine who we are, we cling to what God has already spoken. When the enemy attacks, we cling to what God has already done through Jesus, knowing He is victorious, and we cling to what God has to say about us. Now, we've probably all dealt with what we're about to talk about in some way in our lives. But in talking about them, I want to make sure we're looking at what the Bible has to say on these subjects. I find that some people in their lives inwardly struggle to be kind to themselves because of the sins, mistakes, 
and regrets of the past. How many people have ever done something in life that you regretted? Okay, thank you. You're an honest service. Last service I had to give an altar call for liars. So thank you for being honest. I remember as a child, uh, I, I mentioned I grew up in church and, and uh, my mom played the piano. She sang and uh, so she was, she was uh, a very engaged worshiper. So whether it was a worship team or whether it was someone singing a special song, she was the type to, to sing out. So I grew up like that. And I remember as a child sitting about seven pews back from the front of an auditorium one time and this guy was singing a special song and I thought I knew the song. So I sang it out with him. Well, when it got to the line that was supposed to say, I'll rest neat the evergreen tree, I sang out, rest neat the evergreen shore. And everybody turned and looked at me because I was singing just as loud as he was with a microphone thinking I knew the lyrics. Now, that's silly, but as a child, I had many of those moments, especially as an only child, where I would insert myself in moments and, and regret it later. And, and I'd live those things repeatedly. Now, many people battle with regrets that are much more significant than that. Many people battle with what took place before they were saved. The way they lived, the way they talked, the way they acted, the places they went, the decisions they made. And some people, even after salvation, we've all had those moments where we haven't been perfect. We've had moments of falling short, of, of failing in some way and... Sometimes we struggle. Maybe it's a moment even like Peter in Scripture who, who had a moment to be courageous, to declare that he knew Jesus, even in moments declared that Jesus was the Messiah. And yet, he got in a moment where people questioned him and he denied Jesus. And we know that he regretted it. He wept bitterly. And there are moments that we have that maybe it's with a coworker, maybe it's with a neighbor, maybe it's with a relative, even during a holiday weekend like this. And we know, man, that could have been an opportunity. That could have been a moment for us to declare Jesus to someone else. But we weren't as courageous maybe as we should be. And we can sometimes question, because of our past, because of the things that we used to be, that maybe that there's this this cloud that hangs over us, and we get to this place sometimes of saying, can God really love us? Is, is God going to one day be tired of the fact that I mess up and fall short? And we've done that so many times. And then you add to it the reality that we have an enemy who the Bible calls Satan. Now, I know there are many people who think that, that Satan or an enemy is just a, a figure or representation of evil. But Scripture teaches us that there's a real enemy who is out to destroy our lives. And in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, the Bible refers to Satan as the accuser of the brethren. Satan literally translates to mean accuser. And he accuses we as Christ followers before God saying that we're not worthy, saying that we're serving God for the wrong reasons or impure motives. And whether you'd like to think about this or not, it's true. Sometimes the enemy strategically attacks us. And oftentimes I don't believe that the enemy attacks in the obvious ways. I know we could look around the world today and visibly see in some cases the enemy being at work. But I believe in many ways the enemy likes to come along and talk or to whisper in people's lives. He wants to produce in us guilt and fear and doubt, and criticism. 
We're not talking about a loving father who brings about a discipline to help us see what's wrong in our lives and help to correct and lovingly lead us. We're talking about an enemy who wants to push us down to keep those past failures right in front of us, to keep our past sins right in front of us, and to even cause confusion or questions about our lives and motives. Jesus said in John 10.10, the enemy is out to steal, to kill, and destroy. And you need to be aware today, he wants to steal your joy, kill your peace, and ultimately destroy your life. I don't know how many have dealt with regrets or sins or past mistakes or maybe feeling unworthy because at all. But when the enemy comes along or when we struggle in our own feelings, we then have to look at the facts. What does the Bible say about sin? What does the Bible say about sin that's been turned away from, that's been repented of? What does the Bible say about God's response when we call on Him? 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 say, If we claim that we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. There may be a moment where you know you were involved in your life in a sinful action, a sinful response, a sinful way of living, but you know you came to God. And you know you said, Lord, I don't want to live this way. I want to turn away from that. You, you know there was a moment where you called out to God. And I know there are times when we fall short in those ways that there are days where it almost feels like you're grieving, where you feel like you could have done better and lived better. The enemy comes along and wants to, to tell you that you're always going to be under that sin issue. But the Bible declares if we've confessed it, He's forgiven it. God is faithful and just to forgive our sins. So maybe you don't feel like it today. Maybe you feel unworthy. Maybe you feel like there's a lot of things that are littered all over your past. But today you can rest assured if you've called on God and you've repented of those sins and you've said, Lord, I want to follow you, even though we fall short sometimes, the Lord has forgiven you and you now stand in Christ. You can take it to heart. Psalm 103.3 says, He forgives all my sin." And Psalm 103.12, a few verses later, says He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Well, Pastor Chris, you don't know. It's great that you could tell some other people that, but I've got too many things in my past. I've messed up too many times. I was involved in all the things that people, people would call me to be the worst of sinners. I've got all these things that are covered in my past with issues. But if you're following Christ... Your past is just that. It's your past. 1 Corinthians 6.11, Paul was writing and said, Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God Maybe your past was littered with all these different things. Maybe you do have a lot of regrets. But your life today in Christ is not what life used to be. You've had a status change in your life because of Jesus, the God who loves you, gave His Son to die for you so that you would know that love and have the way to be rescued from sin and the punishment of sin. 
I think we ought to thank God for His salvation. We ought to thank God for His forgiveness. Come on, I think we ought to put our hands together and praise Him today. And the good news is, if you're in the room today or online, and you feel like, well, now I'm living in this. It's not my past, it's my present. Pastor Chris, I'd love for it to be different, but can God really love me? Does God really want me? I'm, I'm a mess And I'm telling you today that the same God who's been transforming lives for centuries is the same God that can transform your life today. You can welcome Him as Savior and Lord of your life and experience love and forgiveness like you could never know on this earth. Step into the Lord. Step into knowing Him and knowing that love and forgiveness. Maybe it's not sin, regret, and mistakes of your past. Maybe it's what someone did or said to you. Specifically, the unkind words from others. We've talked about our words, and we've talked about our actions towards other people. But today, how do we deal with unkind words that have come towards us? The labels that maybe people have tried to speak over your life. We're not talking about constructive criticism from caring people and friends that people might be offended just because they didn't want to hear it. We've all been there, right? We've all been offended at times just because we really didn't want to hear what somebody had to say, but maybe we needed to hear it. In fact, Proverbs multiple times, but especially in chapter 27, verse 5, says it's better to have an open rebuke than hidden love. It's better to have a friend who loves you enough to help point you to the truth than to, than to have hidden love. And we're not talking about constructive criticism. We're talking about people who unintentionally or intentionally, harmed you in a moment that came in your life, whether it was just a a passing moment, whether it was the entirety of a childhood, whether it's been a life of being with someone who has, has been hateful and angry towards you. Maybe they've labeled you in a lot of different ways. Ugly, fat, skinny, short, tall. We could go on and on. People often use hurtful labels towards our appearance or about how we think or live. Even coming up in our childhood, there can be people who love us very much, but the way they speak and what they speak over our lives puts this cloud over us or this belief in us that somehow we're not worthy or somehow we can't rise to achievement at all. And even children can be mean. We're raising three daughters, one who will be 10 in October, One who'll be a five just next week, and another one who's one. And I can tell you that those who are already in school, our oldest who's already in school, has already dealt with in moments. Kids who pick up on things being different, noticing that an appearance is different. Uh, When I was in school, people noticed the the brand names of what you wore on your clothes. And I didn't grow up in a in a rich home by any stretch of the imagination. I I grew up, we bought the the non-name brand clothes, and sometimes kids would make fun of people. I remember vividly, even in high school, I don't have a picture of this. Not sure I'd show you if I did. (laughs) But I remember vividly in high school. Uh, driver's license, getting a driver's license, which is a huge thing for any teenager. And I remember someone saying to me, Hey, Chris, when you took that driver's license picture, did they tell you to put the donut down first? You can laugh. It's okay. You don't have to be sympathetic. It's, it's all right. 
But that's how people are. I, I had things very, very much about appearance, very much about actions. I, I didn't get caught up in all the things everybody else. And so many times that brings criticism and labels. And sometimes adults never grow out of that. They grew up in a culture that, that's critical and demeaning. And, and sometimes adults never grow up out of that childhood way of critiquing each other. But then they continue even as adults to uh, critique how someone dresses or acts or speaks. I remember the first full-time staff position that we had in ministry. We, uh, I was 22 when we got married. I won't tell you how old Amber was. And uh, she's a little older than me. We have an inside joke. Uh, but when we got married, I was 22. We were already part-time youth pastoring at the time. And then about probably less than a year later, we took a position as an associate to later step up and pastor a church. And uh, I'll never forget going to the first district council with my pastor at the time. And he introduces me to someone as his associate pastor. And the lady who he introduced me to said, Who? Him? He looks like he's 16. Look, I've never outgrown the baby cheeks. It just is what it is. And I can't grow a thick beard because I have too much Native American in me. So... It is what it is. Thankfully, the older I get, the younger I still look. I'm just going to take it as a plus, okay? It just is what it is. I didn't expect an applause for that, but here we are. <laughs> but all, all of our ministry life, I've dealt with that. We're, we're adults. I, I think we can all say we've been guilty of doing it, but adults would speak before they think. What is this going to mean to the person I'm telling to? You have ever had somebody walk up to you and say, you look just like fill in the blank. And then you go look up the person on Google and you're like, I don't want to look like that person. Don't tell me that. Thanks for bringing up my donut problem in high school, right? Adults can do the same thing. And sometimes we can have a hard time living past what people have said to us. I don't know about you, but in my life at times, I've struggled with the negative sticking out more than the positive. I think the old saying was it takes seven compliments, maybe even more, to counteract one negative comment. I can tell you that somebody could give 13 comments at different points in my life, but there'd be that one negative thing that would be the thing that gets magnified. We can sometimes have a hard time living past what people have said. And I'll tell you, the enemy, I believe, is at work in this area as well. He'll come along and remind us of these hurtful things that have maybe been spoken over our lives. And then we struggle at times to live with insecurities within ourselves. We start to believe what people have said or what the enemy is trying to emphasize. And then we start to feel we're not good enough. We're not qualified or talented enough. We're not pretty enough. We're not smart enough. And then at times, if we're not careful, it translates into our spiritual lives and we start to question, can God really love me? Can God really use me? What does God think about me? But remember... Even if people say some very hurtful, harmful things to you, even if they have in the past and you're struggling to get over them, today we're called to not live by our feelings and certainly not to listen to the lies of the enemy. But today we're called to live by the facts of God's Word. 
And the Bible declares to us in Genesis that we're created in the image of God. And in Ephesians, we're told that we are God's masterpiece. And I get it, you're probably like me, and there have been some days where you felt more like a master mess than you have a masterpiece. But that's what the Bible says. God loves us, He's for us, He's at work in our hearts and lives. We are gods, and the enemy can't touch us, according to 1 John 5.18. The enemy will try, the enemy will try to talk, but he lies. And Jesus is the truth, and His Word is full of the truth for our lives. Romans 8.1 tells us that when we struggle to get past the past, that if we have repented of that sin, we are without condemnation. We are free. We are forgiven. We are now seated with Christ. According to Ephesians 2.6, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ we could ever need. According to Ephesians 1.3, we can approach God with confidence and expect to find help in our time of need. And we aren't given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Those are just a few of the labels. You want to talk about labels today? Throw away the negative labels that people would speak over your life and begin to rewrite your story with the labels that God has already spoken over you. I don't know if you need to look in the mirror and talk to yourself. We already do it anyway, right? Scary part for me is I usually answer myself too. But I believe sometimes there's a moment where you just got to start talking to yourself and repeating and speaking that word over your life and drown out the voice of the enemy with the truth of God. When sins and regrets of the past creep into our minds and we think, man, I blew it. And when the wrong labels of other people and the wrong tones and attitudes from them are put on us from others, we choose today, we want to be kind to ourselves. How do we do that? Well, first... We will live by God's Word and not by our feelings. I can't stress this enough. In the last couple of years, I've watched as things in our world have crumbled in many ways. And I've watched people be shaken because of it. If you live by the facts of God's Word, you can stand firm even when the world around you is crumbling. If you live by the truth of God's Word, you will be anchored even when the winds change. We will live by God's Word and not by feelings. What God says about me matters more than what the devil or anyone else says about me. If we've committed to following Christ, we belong to Him, and what He says is ours. He's already spoken over our lives. Secondly, to take that a step further, if we're going to live by God's Word and not by our feelings, we will then digest and memorize and recite God's Word in our lives. Listen, it's not enough for you to just get the Bible in a church service on a Sunday. And it's not enough for you to just hear a Bible teaching on a Wednesday. I've heard many people through many different years. I've got many friends who are pastors. They've heard it through the years. You'll hear people say, well, I think I'm going to go to a different church because I'm just not being fed. Well, that's because you haven't grown enough to pick up the spoon and feed yourself. Because if, if all the feeding you get from the Word of God is only from your pastor or someone else, you've missed the point. 
God wants to journey with you in a personal way so that you're spending time with Him, learning from Him, growing in Him, hearing what He has to say on a regular basis. It's not wrong to hear on Sunday and Wednesday, but I pray that you would be a person who loves the Word of God and will not neglect His Word every day of your life. You need to feed yourself. You need to talk to yourself. I said a moment ago, in the mornings, sometimes we wake up and we get out of bed and we don't feel the best, right? Things are going on in our hearts. Things are going on in our minds. Maybe we emotionally feel a little off and like, like the day's going to be a struggle. And I got to tell you, I don't want to sound self-help psychological here, but there may be some moments where you need to look in the mirror and talk to yourself and say, God has already spoken over my life and here's what he said. There may be some ways in your life that you need to write out what God has said over your life and put it in the places where you're going to see it throughout your day. I don't care if you put it on your iPhone screen. I don't care if you put it on a post-it note. You can write in lipstick on your mirror for all I care. It doesn't matter. I'm just telling you, put God's Word at the forefront of what you believe and let Him define you more than your definition or the world's definition about your life. God's Word. And you may, this may sound a little charismatic to some, but you may need to remind the enemy occasionally that he's already defeated. That's what the Bible says. Jesus has already done the work. It's already done. And because he's victorious, we're victorious. And we need to make sure that we stand on the Word of God. And that brings us to point number three. If we're going to be kind to ourselves, we need to seek the help that we need to heal. And this, this starts with Jesus. We need Him more than anything. He has the power to heal. In fact, the Word of God declared the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 61. Luke's gospel captures Jesus reading the scroll in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach good news and to bring liberty or freedom to the captives. And I think there are a lot of people who are wanting to follow Christ, would declare themselves as Christ followers, but they're still living in captivity to their past. They're still living in captivity to what somebody said over their lives. And today Jesus wants to set people free. That no longer do those things define your life, but your life is defined by the Word of God. And i got to tell you, I'm well aware today that we're not nearly as deep in this conversation as we could be. You may have not just dealt with unkind words. You may have dealt with pure hatred in your life. Some of you may have even grown up and you're dealing today with some of the trauma of what you experienced in your years gone by. I don't begin to say that I understand what each and every person has faced and dealt with. I'm well aware that not everyone's story is my story. That not everyone had Christian parents. That not everyone was raised in a church environment with people who love Jesus. But that many people have faced a lot of different things. So today I'm telling you that it is very possible in your life that you've dealt with trauma and dealt with hatred and hurt that's so deep that you need to take some time to process that and heal. That means 
I'm telling you, it's okay to seek out a Christian counselor who can make that journey with you. It's okay to process through that. It's okay to be able to walk through a journey where you're recognizing that maybe some of the things you're living now are because of some of the things you've dealt with before. It's okay to seek out healing and Jesus can use others to help you and to be with you in that journey. You need to be able to hear from someone who has lived that and they can encourage you that Jesus does do that work. You need to be able to heal so that then you can become that person who's able to tell someone else about how Jesus heals our hearts. I'm going to ask you today, if you're in the auditorium, if you would stand with me. I'm going to ask you if you're online that you would take a moment to respond as well. Here's what we're going to do today. In just a moment, the worship team is going to lead us in worship and in singing to declare the truth of God over our lives. I'm aware today you might want someone to pray with you. So I'm going to ask, there are some people in the room today, leaders and prayer team members that are here And I'm going to ask if you would just step from where you are and begin to make yourself available on either side of the auditorium. Today there are people who will pray with you and pray for you. Today there are people who will encourage you. I'd venture to say there are probably even some within these prayer team members who they too have had to heal from wounds. They too have had to deal with struggles and they can testify, they can tell you that Jesus has been faithful in that journey. So today as we sing, I want you to not wait to respond. That that whatever we've touched on today, that you're well aware that's a place in your heart and life that you need to heal. I want to challenge you today to take a step towards the Lord. Not just to people, but take a step towards the Lord and say, Lord, I need your healing in my heart. I, I, I almost want to go far enough to say, I would pray that for some of you, you would be able to experience a healthy spiritual amnesia. That that God would help you and heal you to a place that those things don't come back and circulate in your mind and your heart, but you're able to experience the voice of God and the truth of God over everything else. I would love, love, love whether people are online or in this room today, that if you're hurting because of these things, if you're struggling to live past your past, if you feel unworthy, if you wonder if God can love you, if today people have spoken things over your life and you've believed them, but they're not healthy, they're not what God says, today it would be my heart's desire that you would experience the beginnings of a touch from the Lord like you could never know from anyone else. That today you could begin to heal from those wounded places. God wants to do that.